0: So as I mentioned, Tools of the Trade series might have got the impression that it was the, uh, the last one two weeks ago. However, what's even more exciting is a couple of pe- people approached me and said, we haven't done them all. And I was like, yes, people have been paying attention. Um, they've actually been following and worked out that we haven't actually done all the, the, the gifts of the Spirit. The, there's a reason for that. Um, they actually, today we're looking at the gift of tongues, both uh, speaking and interpretation, and uh, there was room for the gift of tongues earlier in the series. But those who spoke on on those weeks, there's room in evangelism, as we'll talk about today. There's uh, there's room in the prophetic and in 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 that space to talk about this, and there's in the communication week. But uh, it's a bit of a hot potato. I suspect there were people who who went. Uh, Oh, there's other gifts here that I think I might focus on a little bit more than the gift of tongues. Um, it's going to be a distraction and a sideshow, and I really want to focus on what God wants to say. And that was good. That was right. I'm not saying that was wrong. But uh, but it is an area where if you've been in church for a while, it's an area that can be quite complicated and divisive and um, and has caused a lot of damage and hurt for people. So today, hopefully, that's not our aim. That's not the purpose, is to be divisive or to, to create disunity. So if you have any concerns or issues, um, uh, please come and speak to me. Um, please don't take this as something that's, uh, that we, we want to be divisive about. But it's in Scripture. And if Scripture is God-breathed and has a purpose of teaching and equipping and enabling us, then we actually want to take the whole of Scripture. We don't want to just bury some parts because they're too inconvenient and they, they've caused hurt. Yeah, please just really encourage you this morning just to um, journey with me on this area of the gift of tongues because there's some really good stuff in there and there is some stuff that God wants to reveal to us. Um, and there's some parts that, that aren't fully bolted down either. Yeah, there's some areas that you can have a different opinion. That's okay. That's, I'm not trying to say that what comes out of my mouth is, is exactly what God wants to say. Feel free to ask the Spirit, read the Scripture for yourself. Um, I'm not God. We clear? We good? Got a good foundation? Let's go. Gift of tongues, the ability to communicate in a language that you have not learned by ordinary means or be able to hear in a language um, is, is the uh, interpretation of tongues, be able to hear in a language that you don't normally hear by ordinary means or you didn't, didn't know already. And the first time this happens in Scripture is in Acts 2. And it says, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now, there's three areas that I'm going to unpack this morning in terms of the gift of tongues. And the first area is partly in this event in Acts. Because what happened in Acts 2 is that um, it says in Acts 2.11, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. In Jerusalem, there was a whole bunch of people from different tribes and nations coming to celebrate Passover. And they were. Sorry, what was the festival? Pentecost, thank you. Wow. Okay, um, I realized that was going off track. Um, celebrate Pentecost, and um, uh, which kind of makes sense, doesn't it? And they, they were all there from different nations and they, they spoke different tongues. And when the Holy Spirit fell in the room, the disciples started worshipping. They started praising God and declaring God's goodness. And the people listening to this went this doesn't make sense. How come I can understand this? How come we can hear them worshipping God and declaring the wonders of God in my own language? And there was clearly something supernatural going on. Now, we can debate about whether the words that came out of their mouth were in the language or the way that they heard was supernatural. We could get all technical about that. But the Holy Spirit did something phenomenal in that space that was profound and very spiritual and clearly something that was intentional. And these people were blown away. Some of them thought they were drunk. Others were amazed and, 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 and wanted to know more and listened when Peter shared. Now, I've actually had uh, an experience of this slightly different, but um, I, I'd heard of people who had had... Um, uh, been in foreign countries and, and been able to speak and communicate with people um, in, the, in the local language without any prior experience. They knew three or four basic words, but, but God gave them an amazing ability to talk in that language. Um, Tanya and I were actually in Fiji last year. And there was a circumstance, we were with um, uh, Pastor Elijah and Grace. There was a circumstance where one of the young people in their church had abused his wife, thrown a coffee table at her. And was in lockup, So we went and hang, hung out with, uh, with him for a little while. And all the conversation was in Hindi. Then the following day he was released um, and went back home. Now if you know the Indian tradition, family is very significant. So um, uh, the son and the daughter-in-law live next door to the mum and dad. Does that make sense? So th- there, was, there were three generations and they had their own kids too. And obviously, mum and dad wanted this to be right. And so they called the pastors over, say, we need to catch up. We need to catch up and talk with our son and daughter-in-law. Clearly, something went wrong here, and it's not healthy. And so they called them, and they said, hey, Matt and Tanya, would you come and join us? So we're sitting in this room, and there's a conversation going on in Hindi for about 15 minutes. Completely in Hindi. And at the end of it, Sister Grace turned to Tanya and I and said, so what do you think? And both Tanya and I, without any confusion, were able to share what we thought in the conversation. We had a real sense of exactly where the last 15 minutes had gone. What each person, not word for word, but the heart of what each person was sharing in the room, there were, we weren't confused about what the conversation had been. And we were able to step into that space and both of us walked away and went, did you, yeah, uh, yeah, wow, what happened there? We were we were kind of a bit, a bit taken back because neither of us had had that experience before. But after 15 minutes of Hindi conversation, we were able to step into the conversation and they did know English, but it was um, uh, harder for them to communicate that way and able to step into the conversation and speak. And they all went, wow, that's really significant and we really need to hear what you've shared in this space. So that's just an example for you about um, speaking or hearing in tongues in this, in this public sense, in a sense of being able to communicate to people in their language. And that's, that's really special. And that's, that's, in terms of tools of the trade, be aware that God's capable of using you in that way. Um, as I said, I've only experienced it once, um, but it is, it's awesome. It's a, it's a great tool to go, okay, God, I want to use everything. I want to be part of everything that you're doing. Um, enable me to do that. The second part is a personal sense of speaking in tongues. In 1 Corinthians 14, and we're going to focus around 1 Corinthians 14 this morning for this section. For anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to people, but to God. Indeed, no one understands them. They the mysteries by the Spirit. And this is where things get a little bit trickier because there's some that believe that speaking in tongues is purely in human languages and there's some that believe that speaking in tongues can be in human languages or it can be in, 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 a, in a, a spiritual language. And there's, there's evidence of that even here in that when, you, when they're speaking in tongues, they're not speaking to people but to God. And no one understands them. It's an indication that they're uttering mysteries that, that people don't understand. And, and the verse before in, uh, in 1 Corinthians 13 refers to um, speaking in tongues of men or of angels. So, so there's an indication that there maybe is languages that people speak that, uh, that people don't understand. And, uh, and I do believe that's the case. I believe that's the case today, that people speak in tongues that others don't understand, as I believe this is, is telling us. But what's that about? There's this space of personally speaking in tongues that people don't understand. And the first one is, in verse 2, it's a form of prayer. Speaking in tongues is actually a form of prayer, a form of talking to God. It's also a form of worship. In verse 16, it says, if I praise God in the spirit, there is actually a space of worshiping in this area of speaking in tongues. The, the most significant one that most people refer to is it's a space of self-edifying, building oneself up. And it says in verse 4, anyone who speaks in a tongue edifies themselves, builds themselves up. And it's re- repeated in Jude 20, by building yourself up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit. There's a sense that speaking in tongues is something that actually edifies yourself, builds build you up, strengthens you. It is one sign of of the gifts of the Holy Spirit in someone, and that's in Acts. Now, I just want to pause here because this is an area that personally I've actually been challenged in. I don't know if I've told this story before, but there was a time when I was uh, about 20-odd, and I was on a train and happening to chat to the guy opposite me. And he says, oh, where are you coming from? It's like, well, I live on the weekends in Curranborough, and I run a youth group there, and during the week I study in Melbourne. And so I spend the week in Melbourne doing that. He's like, oh, okay, so tell me about what you do with your youth group and how that works. And so we're just chatting away. And he said, so you're filled with the Holy Spirit. I said, yes, I am. Do you speak in tongues? I said, no, I don't. He said, how can you lead a youth group if you don't speak in tongues? You must have a very irresponsible leadership to allow someone to lead a youth group that does not speak in tongues. And this is an area, because it is a sign of someone being filled with the Holy Spirit. And that passage talks about it. It says, While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles. This was a new thing for them. They weren't Jews. For they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. So they went, Clearly the Holy Spirit is here because these people are speaking in tongues. Brilliant. This is amazing. Who knew that the Gentiles could receive the Holy Spirit? This is profound. Is it the only sign possible of someone receiving the Holy Spirit? No, it isn't. If Janelle cooks a lemon meringue pie and I say, that's amazing, you clearly are a good cook. And I go over to Callie and go, can you make a good lemon meringue pie? She says, no. Does that mean that she's not a good cook? (laughs) No. No doesn't mean that at all it is a sign of a good cook but it's not the only sign of a good cook there's many other ways that you can know someone's a good cook doesn't mean that you have to be able to cook a lemon rang pie to be able to say you're a good cook and it's the same in this case because yes it is a sign that God is at work through the Holy Spirit in someone brilliant amazing praise God is it the only sign no it isn't and we get that reinforced because in 1 Corinthians twelve eleven. The the gifts are given as the Holy Spirit determines. So this is really significant that the gift of tongues is something that is given just like everything else. If you pray over someone and they receive healing, you go, amazing, thank you God for the gift of healing. It is a sign that the Holy Spirit's at work through that person. It's not the only sign, there's a whole heap of them. And the Holy Spirit gives the gifts as he determines. We are not in control of that, we're not in charge of that. And it's really important to know that it is an amazing sign. It's a beautiful sign. It's not the only sign. Interestingly, Paul exercised a gift mostly in private. This is really interesting. He says, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. He's obviously fairly confident about uh, speaking in tongues. Not backwards in coming forwards, Paul. Awesome. But in the church, I would rather speak five intelligible words to instruct others than 10,000 words in a tongue. Now, interestingly, I do actually speak in tongues. But talking to Darren last week, he was like, you're speaking on speaking in tongues. He's like, oh, do you speak in tongues? I was like, I do. He's like, I've never heard you. And I said, well, you'll find out this morning. And he didn't because the message got moved. But, uh, but it's a really good question in that it's, it's something that in this personal space is nothing to be proud of. It's, it's, it's self-edifying. It's a personal space, it's not a corporate space. It's nothing to wave as a badge of honour. There's nothing about that because it was a gift in the first place. It's actually something that God's blessed people with, and that's awesome, and that's phenomenal, but it's nothing to get proud about. And if it's not helpful to the body, and we'll get to this in a minute, then it's not helpful. It's pretty simple. Now, the third part, Paul does also say, you should pray for interpretation too. It's great that you speak in tongues, but even in that personal space, pray that the Holy Spirit would give you the opportunity to, to understand what you're saying. That's, that's not insignificant. It is a talking from the Spirit, a place of the Spirit. Um, but he does say, you know, your mind is idle while you're talking with your Spirit, but it's kind of good to, to ask God to help you understand what's going on there. So I don't want to miss that out. The third part is in the church. And the first two parts, people can accept and tolerate, but it's this third part that starts getting stickier because this is when we actually have to work together. It's all very well for Tanya and I to be in Fiji and have that experience. It's all very well for me in my bedroom to be worshiping and talking talking in tongues. But when we get together, we start to get a little bit, a little bit unstuck. And interestingly, that's not a new problem to have. Because the whole reasons 1 Corinthians 14 exists is because they were getting unstuck about how tongues operates and functions in the church. because the third part is, if the Holy Spirit is stirring something in you to say in tongues, and it's in a corporate space, then God must be wanting to share something with us. There must be a benefit for us communally. if that's what God's doing then Let's make the most of it. Let's not waste the opportunity. And so it says here in 1 Corinthians 14, starting at verse 27, No more than two or three should speak in tongues. This is in a church environment. They must speak one at a time, and someone must interpret what they say. But if no one is present who can interpret, they must be silent in your church meeting and speak in tongues to God privately. You can see there's a tension here. He's kind of correcting or instruction, instructing in a way that gives you the impression that things weren't quite right. These tongues um, in, a, in a corporate space are a lot like prophecy. They're a lot like prophecy. If God wants to speak through someone in a tongue, people aren't going to understand unless it's interpreted. So the value to the body the value of the purpose of tongues in a a corporate environment is that we actually hear what's being said so that we can understand and respond to what the Holy Spirit's trying to do. Does that make sense? So all of a sudden we've got something that that is, is predominantly personal and Paul says, I prefer to keep it personal if it's not going to help people. But if it's in a space where we're corporately worshipping, corporately gathering, let's make sure it adds value to the body. And the whole premise of this is still edification. It's still for the purpose of edifying. And it says in, um, in verse 3, it's purpose is to edify the church, to strengthen, to encourage, and to comfort. That is the purpose of this in this space, just like prophecy is. To strengthen, to encourage, and to comfort. Now, there's a little bit of a, a kick in the tail in that, it also says, and I'm, I'm just going on this little sidetrack because um, if you've read this passage, this might confuse you. It also says it's a sign for unbelievers. Tongues of angels, or tongues I've put in of angels there because it's not in the passage, but in this context of speaking in tongues that no one understands, it's a sign for unbelievers. Now this, this is confusing because it almost sounds like Paul's contradicting himself because he says it's a sign for unbelievers, but then he says their response is going to be, you're out of your mind when they hear you, right? How does this fit? The the issue we've got here is our cultural understanding, because in the Jewish culture, in the Old Testament, the idea of speaking in a language that people didn't understand or that some people understood and others didn't was actually a division. It was divisive. So, we know at the Tower of Babel, God messed with people in their worship of themselves by giving them different tongues, different languages. And in this way, when someone sees people in the church speaking in tongues, they're actually, it's divisive, it's condemning them. It's saying, you don't have something. You are foreign to these people. You are, you are not part of them. God is talking to these people and is not talking to you. Right, so it's actually a condemning space, not an evangelistic embracing space. Right, so we've we've got to understand that that um, that when he says it's a sign for unbelievers, it's a warning sign, not a come join us sign. Yeah, it's uh, because then it makes sense because the next line is he is he goes on to talk. Actually, I won't I won't digress too much further on it. It's just important to understand because he then says. Um, it, it's, it's for the church and it's not for the unbeliever and then prophesying is for the unbeliever. It looks a little confusing, but it's actually a warning sign, not, a, not an embracing sign. Yeah? Tongues is something that they're going to go, that's foreign, that's not me. And it's actually God saying, you're distant here. There's a, there's a separation in this language barrier here. And also the other important thing we've already touched on, if tongues are spoken in church, they must be interpreted because what's the benefit otherwise? What's, what's the point? Who are who we, who we um, propping up here? Who are we focusing on? Who are we worshipping? So, what's the point? And this is where it gets a little bit tricky in some ways. Because when we read in verse 5, I would like every one of you to speak in tongues, but I would rather have you prophesy. Hang on. So you want me to speak in tongues, but it's not important. Uh, uh, no, I'm paraphrasing. and That's not what he's saying. And then in verse 9, Unless you speak intelligible words with your tongue, how will anyone know what you are saying? You'll just be speaking into the air. Oh, hang on. Is he turning this, this gift into something that's meaningless and insignificant? Verse 12. Since you are eager for gifts of the Spirit, try to excel in those that build up the church. Well, oh, personal tongues. What's the benefit there? It's very easy in this space to see tongues, personal Use of tongues as something that's irrelevant, that's kind of potentially a distraction, potentially something that's not there. And yet, he's just invested so much effort talking about it. I, I want to share a personal story with you now. When I was about 11 years old, I loved God so much and I really, really wanted to worship Him. And I would lay in bed at night and I would just worship God. I'd pray to him. I'd, I'd just lay there and just be awestruck by how amazing he was. As a little kid in a very conservative church, probably not that dissimilar to Melinda, I didn't even know who the Holy Spirit was. Um, and I had no idea about speaking in tongues. Zero. But in these amazing times of worship and of intimacy with God, I would feel the tangible presence of God with me. It was mind-blowing. It was almost like there was, there was glowing light in the room, just laying in bed, whether my eyes were closed or open. Now, I now know that that's the Holy Spirit at work, right? I now know that that intimacy and that, that amazing sensation is, was something that God was giving me through the Holy Spirit. But what I also realized in that space is that my English words just did not cut it. I was frustrated because in my heart I wanted to say things that I could not say with my words. And so I was like, God, I've got to come up with some new words, some new ways of talking about you because my normal words just, they don't reflect what's going on here. They don't do justice to what's happening in this space. And in hindsight now, with where I'm at now, I would say God gave me a few words, a couple of simple little words that I was like, I'm going to use these words instead of my words because these words represent... They're words that I invented, that represented God. They were words that, that came to me. And as I said, I had no idea who the Holy Spirit was. So I didn't understand what this um, conversation was with God. But they were a profound place where they actually felt like I could say something that meant what I was feeling, meant what my spirit was, was trying to communicate to God. And that, I believe, for, for me, but also for trying to understand tongues, personal tongues, was what is going on in this space and why God has given us this gift. Paul talks about saying, when I speak in tongues, my, my spirit is communicating, but my mind is idle. There's something deep inside him that, that, is, that is sharing, that is talking with God, that is communing with God enabled by the Holy Spirit that's a place of intimacy and guess what yes it is edifying because when you're in that place of intimacy with the Father yes God is always lifting you up and encouraging you and and he's talking more than I'm talking do you know what I mean like that relationship's really profound and so there's this beautiful space that I don't speak in tongues very often because I find that God only gives it to me when I'm in that sort of a space when I'm in that amazing intimate space of, of worship, of surrender, that that sometimes I break out in speaking in tongues. But I think it's a profound gift on all three levels. Whether we're talking about the the public level, the opportunity to be able to communicate with people um, supernaturally, the personal level, where there is an intimacy and a communication that is so personal that. The simple English words just don't cut it. And, and that, this is my perspective. I just, that's not in Scripture. Um, my perspective is, is my understanding is when the English words don't cut it, there is, there is a communication that is um, at a different level. But also in the church and the opportunity for God to communicate through people and to remind us how powerful and how significant what he has to say is is the idea of of speaking in a tongue and someone going, yes, I've heard what God's wanting to say and we really need to take hold of this. I'm not downplaying prophecy at at all, Um, but I'm saying that we need to be aware that the Holy Spirit moves how the Holy Spirit wants to move and we want to embrace what the Holy Spirit's doing um, in, in a way that allows him to do what he wants to achieve and sometimes that personal and sometimes that corporate. For me, this series on the tools of the trade was predominantly about us realizing that we are equipped and enabled, that we do have a range of things that the Holy Spirit provides the body, the church with, to do what he's called us to do. He has not left us. He has not deserted us. He is not uh, wanting us to just labor to try and do these things that we feel like God's calling us to without equipping us. He has equipped us. And we started the series by saying God provides us kairos moments, moments in time that that he has ordained, he has prepared, he is present in to do his work. And he calls us to participate in that. And even when we step in to participate it, he gives us the tools we need to do that. He equips us and enables us through the Holy Spirit to do those things. And this this verse in 1 Corinthians 12, 27 is so significant in this picture, in the gift of tongues. And, and it's so sad, isn't it, that, that a gift given to edify, to build up, to encourage, to equip, to, to comfort has actually been divisive. Has actually been something that we've used against each other. And smack bang in this. Same book, two chapters earlier, it says all of you together are Christ's body and each of you is a part of it. He gives gifts as he enables and for those that have tongues, praise God. For those that have the gift of helps, praise God. For those that have whatever the gift is, it is just a tool. It's interesting being, uh, I enjoy photography. And I've talked to a number of wedding photographers, um, which scares me, by the way, so don't get excited about that. Um, Wedding photography, you only get one chance. And, yeah, you can't sit there for four hours looking at a a nice scene, wondering when the lighting's right. You don't have that chance with uh, wedding photography. But wedding photographers, photographers from the ones I've spoken to find it really hard now because they walk into a wedding and someone comes up and stands next to them with a camera twice as big, costs three times as more, and, uh, and says, so what camera do you use? To the wedding photographer. And they sit there feeling like a goose because theirs is five years old and it does the trick. But it doesn't look impressive compared to the, the Uncle Jim who's, who's there with his new Schmidt camera. But the same answer applies there as to answer these spiritual gifts. It's not the size of your camera. It's what you do with it. And every single one of those, uh, there's, there's podcasts and blogs and things that you, you see with these, these gurus in photography, and they all say the same thing. Stop talking about equipment. Go out and use your camera. I'll swap equipment any day with your camera, and, uh, and I'll show you how to take a photo. It doesn't matter what camera you're holding. In fact, your little throwaway camera that you've got today is way better than the professional gear from 10, 20 years ago. So stop talking about the camera and start going out and taking photos. And this space of talking about the gifts is really significant because you've got to know what tools are in your hand. Yeah? But if you stop at talking about what tools you got in your hand, they're absolutely useless. You may as well have not picked it up in the first place. Because if there's no fruit, if there's no uh, purpose, if there's no using of the tools then the tools have no value and no, no significance and no purpose. And that's when we get stuck in a space of thinking and we're awesome and we're, we're using these things a badge of honor because we've got a tool that we didn't even pay for in the first place. It's a waste of time. There is no pride to be had in having a gift. There is nothing of, of pride in yourself in having any of these gifts because They're for a purpose. They're just a tool and they were given as a gift anyway. Where things get significant and amazing and profound is when we start using those gifts. And then amazing things happen because we realize God is capable of doing way more with those things than we even imagined. So it doesn't matter whether it's the gift of tongues. The point is that God has purpose for us well beyond our capacity well beyond our what we imagine we're capable of. And his purpose is phenomenal, and he equips us and enables us to do it. So I'm actually going to finish where, I, where, where we started the series. All of you together are Christ's body, and each of you is a part of it. There is purpose in every single perp- person here. And there is purpose that God has set you apart for, he's equipped you and enabled you for, and he's called you to do that in community. That's his design. Sure, there's days that I wish his design wasn't working in community. But it's his design, so I'm going to shut up and do what he told me to, because he's got a good plan. He's also equipped and enabled us. So if he's calling you to do something, and you go, I don't think I'm able to do that, you're not trusting the Holy Spirit. Because... He's going to bring people around you by the Spirit and He's going to equip you by the Spirit to do what He's called to you to do by the Spirit. Our response is, as Steve has said this morning, very simple, we receive and obey. We just receive and we trust. And so I really want to encourage each one today that if you're not looking for God opportunities, if you're not listening, if you're not listening for what God is doing Then I just implore you to start there. Last week we talked about being in a place of worship. When you feel like things are are struggling, worship. Go back to God and say, How am I seeing this picture wrong? What do you want me to do? Because He has called us to function as a body and to operate in the gifts He has equipped us with. It's not about you, it's not about your pride. It's not about your, um, what, you, what you're capable of. It's about worshipping him, acknowledging him in all your ways. And he'll direct your path. Let's pray.